to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. back from la i tried to go to medieval times but they are on strike because they're unionized so couldn't cross the picket line or else they cut my head off with a battle axe support shout out to our comrades at medieval times who are striking against their king, king. but i think the king is one of the workers really yeah. No, see, that's a classic misunderstanding of class structures. The king is not a worker no. inherently. Well, so this the, king well, is. The god is the actual owner. They treat the owners like a god. Well, the yeah, king okay. is God's vessel on earth. Yeah, <laughs> and that's manager. why he rules the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the king of medieval times though is in charge of them. Really, no. Well, think- may, they should restructure that. That yeah. should be one of the demands. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would just make sense. That would clean everything up. Let's stop ma- uh, having a fake king. It's confusing. He probably gets paid the least because he didn't really do anything. No, well, he sits there and he's like, entertain me. It would get Joust. F- fucked up if he got paid more than the knights because the knights are like fighting and stuff. It's fucking um, monarchy. It is fucked up. Let me ask you this. I, in <laughs> California, good about California medieval times are the serfs on the beach. Hello, folks. Welcome to the show. Because they're serfs. Yeah, because yeah. it's surfing. Double it's on it's fucking, And uh, it's another week of Poddam America. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, Welcome to my hell. This podcast. We're Open the gates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jake Flores. Yeah. That's Alex Patek. Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. That's it. Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. And we're the podcast that you're listening to. Sometimes goth. Um, we're coming at you live. Very no, stupid. We are not. We're coming at you live. We have a we've captured a radio DJ and he's with us. He doesn't understand that we're not a live show, but he likes he can eat and rest here and his favorite music is playing in the air is on for him. Yeah, he's checking the numbers. They're looking really good. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are doing great. We got Rihanna coming on after the break. <laughs> Do you guys remember Radio DJ that was was a Hasbro toy? No, no. Could, tell me about it. You could it sounds it, like a ska song. It was, uh, I think it was called Radio DJ, but you could. It was like a mini radio transmitter that you could get limited frequency in like a, the block radius. Basically, you could oh broadcast God. yourself into like the the area around your home. Basically, so the toy was a radio, but is the, that is worse. Yeah, but like a radio, tr- like you could actually broadcast yourself, but it would yeah. be able to like play in another room, but it would be on a radio wave. You could get like one of those parts of the dial that doesn't have anything playing on it, and then just yes. be like, hey, everyone. It's yeah. the Anders channel. You're listening to Anders I in the morning. Out. I wonder what Bernie Sanders is up to. I'm six years old. <laughs> well, there's a mayor's race in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Harrington. Hey, if you want to get the, if you want to go to the polls, you got to show up. Gotta be part of the part of the party. That broadcast went to maybe one person at the intersection. That person's uh, name, Michael Harrington. <laughs> he would have been dead, but I've been sure. receiving all of your radio. Probably a guy I think you're doing a fantastic job. 
That's my Michael Harrington impression. Did you have that toy though? Because that's the most on-brand toy. <laughs> I did. A little like radio. if I uh, the cartoon version of you is just constantly playing on the radio as a child. Yeah, <laughs> a little radio fiddling the knobs, <laughs> knock, a lot of knocking the it. shit over, spilling a drink on it. I had taking uh, a shit <laughs> and going well, back to the fake radio. It had a uh, cassette player too, um, but I I would. You know, I didn't have any of my own cassettes, so I had to play all my dad's cassettes. It was like Donald Fagan <laughs> broadcasting to like. We got Donald Fagan coming on next. <laughs> this is the worst show. I I've did ever trick heard. my sister. Radio I, I almost tricked my sister. I got I like uh, got her to come into the room, and I was like hiding in the closet, and it was like. Uh, my sister's name has won a million dollars. Oh my god! She, I don't know how she knew, but somehow she knew it was a. Oh my god! Just because it's on the radio doesn't mean it's real, especially if your little brother's voice is the thing that. Andrew's doing the Kanye thing, promoting his own channel, just very subtly around town. Like, there's this new, really good radio <laughs> channel. You gotta check it out. It's called Radio Anders. And he takes a really big shit and then plays <laughs> his dad's records. <laughs> talks about elections and shit. I heard this story. I think it's an urban legend, but it's funny. Apparently, a family got their uh, like their dad a crank gift, a gag gift from no. Spencer's Gifts. Don't do that a, to your dad. A fake lottery ticket that says you won a million dollars. Oh boy! But oh then the dad, God. like when he wins, he's like, oh, "Finally, I fucking hate you, people. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you." <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, no. We're getting divorced. I don't love you kids and all this shit. Then he's just like, woo, got a liquor bottle and shit. No. He's getting his car. They're like, no, 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 no. It's it's fake. Oh, dad, you can't leave. It's a, I don't understand why you would get to leave just because you get a million dollars. How does that? Just because you can pay him off? This is why I'm choosing to believe this is an urban legend and not real. It sounds, I it's mean, to back sad. you up, it sounds very not real. <laughs> There's another one I remember reading about where somebody uh, wins on the radio, a free Toyota. And then they go to the place and... <laughs> they go to their family. They're like, fuck you. I got a Toyota now. <laughs> but a lawsuit ensued. They show up at the dealership because it's a car dealership doing mm -hmm. this. And they got a free, as it turned out, toy Yoda. <laughs> oh, Yoda toy. God. You got to read the fine print on these folks. Well, when you hear it, there's it's no Toyota, fine print to read. Yeah. And I think maybe that's the basis of the lawsuit. Audio, deceptive. <laughs> Careful <laughs> what you're listening to right at this moment. Could be your little brother. That doesn't sound real, but that is funny. I heard a guy on the radio one time um, call into like a radio show and tell the story of how him and his friends robbed a bank, and then he got all of them sent to prison. What an idiot! Ah, uh, yeah, like the cops called the, the DJ. Like, just went like, could this, somebody trace this call? Like, while they were <laughs> narc, the story. yeah, fucking yeah. narc. First of all, narc, yeah. Don't do that. Let him rob a bank. That well, happens all the time. Though, just because everything is recorded now, like if it's subscribed to this uh, fight channel, Fight Haven on Twitter, it's just, I don't know why I signed up for it. It's just people beating the shit out of each other. It's kind of upsetting to watch. But Oh, I follow that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every time you watch one, it's really fun to go to the comments because like, yeah, they caught them immediately because we have a full video of this and they went to jail for 10 years. <laughs> I remember uh, listening to, as, as a kid, you, you know, you would sneak... The lewd, inappropriate morning shows. Um, yeah, on the well, radio yeah, as, as we all did. Yes. Yeah, you know, but th there's this crazy. I was living at the time. Okay. Was can I finish the story? Please. Was uh, can I finish? Elliot the morning. Elliot in the morning in the uh, DMV area, and they had a thing. They they would do like weird stunts and stuff. One time they tried to collect poop to throw on a soccer team. 
Uh, and then one time I remember a convict called in. He was about to go to jail for like 30 years. And they asked him, what were you sentenced for? And he's like, murder. And then he's like, I just got one question. Uh-huh. He was like, Diane. Diane was one of the hosts of the show. Diane, what color is your hair? <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy from Twin Peaks. Oh, no. Diane. <laughs> What color is your hair? Immediately tackled to the ground. I know this guy uh, who was like a comic in Texas who just do open mics and shit. But his his big thing was he uh, he was on the radio, the morning radio show. But he was like the guy they just abused and harassed for fun. You know, that's yeah. a radio thing. They just strapped him to the top of a car and put him through a car wash oh one my time. Damn. To talk about on the radio, just very visual joke. <laughs> I was uh, I was extremely burned. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know that it happened? It's covered with oil, hot oil, <laughs> then hit with those scrubbers. <laughs> I mean, he didn't talk like that. He was a weirdo. But yeah, they hit me with the scrubbers. Anyway, radio is fucking dumb. It's bad. Medium. You know, they used to have a program uh, when I was growing up, uh, and they had a segment called Best Boobs in Boston, and they would have <laughs> girls on, and they'd say, well, are you going to show us your boobs? And then I, presumably they did, and they said, wow, you have the best boobs in Boston, but you couldn't see these things. <laughs> yeah. So there's no verifying that they were the best boobs in Boston. What do you think of these boobs? I'm on oh. my hoodie right now. Wow, those are probably wow. the best in Boston, yeah. actually, now that I'm seeing them. <laughs> yeah. And all it's of a Boston. New York negative are... five, but a Boston 10. Hey, now. Something you might not know about me, listeners. Great rack. He has an amazing set on him. Because they, they can't see them to prove it wrong. I guess is the point I'm trying to illustrate. Yep. God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, citywide competitions, um, <laughs> there's a young lady with the the no. has voted the lightest feet in Chicago. Really? Yeah. They call her Lori Lightfoot. Okay. Democracy I can only is assume, on the ballot. I can only assume that's a nickname. Yeah. It's like her, you know, stage name. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, she is up for re-election. Really? Yeah. But she is floundering. In the oh, polls, geez. wouldn't you know? The hats. She looked like a fish. <laughs> she looks. She does, she does look like. Look a like fish. she looks like. Uh, yeah, like the stuck in the ocean of her own clothes. All of her clothes <laughs> are like five size five sizes too big, and she's like. Right. But, she looks like the boy at the end of Big when the he de-bigs, <laughs> and then he's still in the suit. Remember that Sega Dreamcast game that was just like a human fish that you can interact with? Oh, yeah. Kind of. She looks like that. <laughs> it's based on Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> Is that a Magikarp? Uh, uh, no. no, it was before no. Magikarp. But, yeah, I guess uh, it's interesting because my entire public perception of Lori Lightfoot is that she's the woman that everyone hates so much. But then again, when you're the mayor, that is what the job is, is to be the woman everyone hates. And so maybe she's done that actually very admirably. Yeah, um, I think that uh, she's being hated by the wrong people. Uh, She has declared a uh, mortal fucking rivalry with the Chicago Teachers Union. It's Mm. unfortunate. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, four years ago, I remember being very disappointed as funny as her name is mm. her opponent, cause they have a runoff election. The first round of which will be on Tuesday, but her opponent in the runoff last time was named Tony Preck Winkle. That's tough. That which, my high school must've been hard for Tony Preck Winkle. Probably a boy named Sue origin story type thing you know 
I don't know what that means, but yeah. You've never heard the song A Boy Named Sue? No. Did you know it was written by Shel Silverstein? Yes, I did. Really? Yeah. Well, now I know one fact about it. It's a Johnny Cash song. It was written by Shel Silverstein. Is he anything like uh, Donnie Preckwinkle? Tony. Tony, whatever. The woman. He's a, oh, Tony, you're a loser and you lost. <laughs> I'm not going to get your name right. You lost the election. And you're a nerd. I don't mean to sidetrack, but did you see that video of Trump going to McDonald's and yes. fucking in, uh, in East Palestine? Immediately claiming dominance over the McDonald's menu. He's going to win. I like, know the most of McDonald's of anyone here. Biden went to fucking Ukraine. Everyone hates that shit. Yeah. Fucking the Don went to McDonald's and bought the entire police force and firefighting force uh, McDonald's and then went in and was like, I, I, I bet I know the menu here better than all you to yeah. the employees. <laughs> and they clapped and they recorded him and they loved it. Joe Biden probably could not name a single item on the McDonald's menu. And that's the sad reality of the situation. Trump also said, what's the specialty today? Which is like, <laughs> They don't have What those? you cooking up back there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, wait. Although, question. What's on the grill? <laughs> I've heard that they do. Apple pies? What do you mean? But I, if, am I wrong? Style. I remember hearing that they do do McDonald's specialties, well, but only do. in Texas. They do do. Is that is that true? Is that true? Did they do that? I don't know. <laughs> they have like a special <laughs> Texas-style Big Mac or something? Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, every fast food restaurant, for some reason, is just bullied by Texas into having, like, the Texas Rodeo Burger. <laughs> the Lone Star McChicken. It just has barbecue sauce on it, and That's sometimes rig or something that is kind of true although i don't know that specific to specifically about mcdonald's because i i don't i'm not a mcdonald's guy i never ate no, it here or there are it's you a barbecue man jake i am a barbecue man you like to put that sauce on things i do i was just saying i i uh last time i ate mcdonald's actually when i the first thing i ate when i got to the nation of france because I thought it would be all like, oh, I want to try McDonald's in France. And it's the same thing. It's just, in theory, higher quality ingredients, but I really didn't taste any. I went to India in high school and they had funny names for all the McDonald's entrees. Like it was called like the Taj Mahal burger or whatever. No. And then it was like a picture of the Big Mac. And I went to go, I was like, haha. And I went to go to take a picture. It's like 2008. And then they had like security guards come up to me and be like, delete that. Oh really? my god! I'm not allowed to have a picture. Of the, like his big imposing man was like, "I need to see you hit the delete button, and you can leave McDonald's." Wow! Why? <laughs> they don't fuck around in New Delhi about their secrets getting out. I don't know. I don't know why you couldn't do that. Holy shit! We're gonna get ganked just for just for saying this yeah, on, the, on the radio, which we're on. That's true. Yep. They're gonna kill the man with the best boobs in Boston. <laughs> Just because we've released their McDonald's secrets. Anyway, what the fuck? Would they describe the boobs? They'd be like, oh, those are really... uh, Whoa, those are bazongas. (laughs) Yeah, they would. I mean, they'd do their best. Yeah. Um, No, they were poets. It didn't really put anything in my mind's eye, to be honest. Had you seen boobs at that point? Uh, not in person. No. It was. I mean, it was funny that the girl would be there and she'd be like, "Ah, they're good." Or <laughs> like, you have to, you know, bat, uh, stump for yourself while you're up there and like, I think they're actually the best in town. <laughs> the. I mean, honestly, it's a great grift on the radio DJ's part that he's like, "That was it." Sold yeah. someone into the idea. Just come on, you're gonna be a star. Because they put pictures of themselves out and they were just like two fat guys, and it was very much like, how come they even get to judge this competition? Do we ever consider who we elect into the position of radio DJ to judge these boobs? You know who I think it should be? 
by rightful decree of the king. By the king. Times. That's correct. Huzzah! <laughs> to these boobs. It is a consummation devoutly to be wished, these breasts. <laughs> is it holy light from God going down on him like a Magic the Gathering card? <laughs> these are the best boobs. <laughs> oh, huzzah. All right, what yeah. What the fuck Lori are we about? We yeah, got very distracted. She's in trouble. No, no. There are. She's like. Depends on which poll you, you watch. Um, a couple have her coming into second. Consistently, the person in first place is Paul Vallis, who oh, is a former CEO of schools in Chicago, which is always a bad sign. Uh, you know, that's. I mean, it's helpful if you're a. Uh, a voter, and you're like me. And Back you, in my day, we that called that the can... principal. Continue. <laughs> if, so, if someone served as the CEO of schools, that's like a pretty clear non-starter, I think. That's not a job that sounds like it should exist. I don't understand how that works. You own it's like private, private schools. Private schools? No, it's, I, I mean, the, it's the public, I believe he was, it's another way of saying superintendent, but because of the charter movement, which has been very uh, oh. influential in Chicago. Yeah. Um, they are treating things more like a business, the CEO. I mean, there's tension there. The CTU is fighting back against the uh, the charters. Um, but I, I actually spoke to a teacher there who uh, was telling us about how his son went to a charter school and um, he, he was... He was black and he was saying that his son's school had like, it was a violence interruption school, which is like, I think a good program. I, I think the, there's this, this thing called the violence interrupters and they, they do a lot of good like work. But this whole school was like dedicated to the idea that these young black kids are like super predators basically. And we have to like give, just throw homework at them and then that will keep them occupied and stop them from going out and committing crimes, which is just like, you know, kind of stereotyped, uh, like schooling, they gotta wear those foam super fingers on both hands. Yeah, who is a violence interrupter? Um, is that we oh. all can be, but the children at <laughs> no, the I'm, school. I'm saying there's like charter schools that are based around the idea of violence interruption, oh, which okay. is like Sorry. a good, not a bad thing, but the the fact that you would base a school around it, uh, and it's all this like private foundation money, and they, they view um, I, they target black kids, yeah, yeah in no, a very yeah, like patronizing way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I went to school with a mostly not white population and they just give us mazes and shit all day. Yeah, because mazes. the idea is like literally just mazes. <laughs> now do you mean corn? No. Like okay. on a on a piece of paper a maze. Yeah, like it's that? like word searches and yeah. shit. For this is the entire day sometimes. Right. That's crazy. You just yeah. be like, That's the, uh, although I do like the fuck those. is this? And if you talk to like an adult about it who was like nice enough to be not bullshit you, they'd just be like, yeah, just keep everyone off the street. Right. Oh, wow. And that's what this guy said to us. It was like they, they, instead of investing in like programs and stuff for them to do, st give kids stuff to do after school or, you know, l talking to them and learning that, you know, some of them actually do have like supportive families uh, that they can go home to and thrive. Uh, they just have to like throw as much busy work at these kids as possible. Listen, which, I might not be very the effect smart. Of, like, numbing people. <clears throat> As an adult, I've been accused of being kind of dumb. Mm, but same. fuck with me in a maze. Right. You're toast. <laughs> 
He will outflank any opponent. Fight me in the hedge maze from uh, the shining. Meet me in the word search. <laughs> <laughs> Wordle King, Jake Flores. I am really good at shit like that. It's probably because of like, now that I'm thinking about it, this is really disturbing. It was just like three years of my education that was just like, stay indoors, just look at the back of the cereal box. <laughs> yeah, you can win something. You connect the lines. Yeah. Wow, that's that really explaining you got that. violent kids that are also very good at mazes and word searches. Knowing that you went to school with Lizzo does add another feature where she was becoming lyrical in these word searches. Yeah, oh, that's true, yeah. yeah. And the flute is like a maze of sorts. It's a, it's a maze for where to put your fingers. Yeah. And blow into the side of a flute. The air is going through a maze. Yeah, the air part is, I mean, it's a woodwind, so it's like pretty pretty straightforward for that one yeah okay you know what that didn't make perfect sense but i have mazes for an education so a clarinet is a woodwind and a flute is not and don't yell at me that's right because it's not made of wood that's right clarinet is a woodwind w-o-o-d wood don't yell at me (sighs) that's how you spell wood chicago's election is coming up yeah (laughs) they don't have enough woodwinds in the schools they're just giving them like maps of woodwinds to uh fill out motorcycle outside yeah, they should be giving the kids motorcycles, too. A lot of They should be giving the kids motorcycles. I do not stand by that. We've gone too far left. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Elon Musk was right. <laughs> kids should not have motorcycles. They're very dangerous. <laughs> that is actually a big urban issue. Uh, in I think here, too, but especially in D.C., there's, like, uh, a lot of young men primarily who drive around on, like, um, yeah. Um, Hogs. Oh, it's one of Eric XL- Adams' things. Yeah, yeah. Is that he wants to round up all the four wheelers and dirt bikes right. and shit and like crush them into a cube and stand <laughs> on top of it. He sucks so hard. Stop yeah. joining biker gangs. <laughs> Stop it. It's what it is in like a nationwide thing. That was uh, Kucinich when he was running for Cleveland mayor. He's like, we are going to stop these people. <laughs> I just disruptive. saw Akira, and I'm against it. Yeah. Against the events of this happening. Why are they so against that? It's I don't, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is can be loud, but so are a lot of things. I think it's projection, and it's it's like in a worst case scenario. If you imagine being t- tied up and tortured by a teen biker gang, it's a, a nightmare situation. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. it's the same thing with the eighties movie or whatever. But but, but but we live in a market economy. You're allowed to buy that. The, the whole fucking reason you. You hate China and love this shit that we do is you can buy that. You can do that if you want to, and yet you don't actually let people. Well, it's it's similar to the squeegee men that they had in New York City in uh, up until the Giuliani era. Um, Guys who would, you know, when you're coming in from the tunnel in New Jersey, they would have these guys who would start squeegeeing your car and then ask you for money. So it was like kind of putting you in like an awkward position. But these guys were like, you know, the jump Scott squad was sent after them and they got totally run out of business under Giuliani. And it's just because it is, it's seen as like an obstruction quote unquote yeah. to somebody's like commute or their, you know, and that's what Bloomberg did on the subways. It's basically anything that makes things slightly uncomfortable for the commuter class or I think the commuter class should be commuting to work on dirt bikes and ATVs and shit. Yeah, that- I agree. We, here's how we solve the problem. So we square the circle. The business ATV for mm. you, and then there's a commercial with a guy in like a white button-down shirt and his tie is flying, you know, like behind his neck. He's got his briefcase. Ah, I made it to work covered in bugs. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, good thing these are so safe for the road. Yeah. Put my best girl back here and just go to work. <laughs> but in any case, Paul Vallis is, yeah, a candidate of the, shall we say, the commuter class. Also, big candidate of the FOP, Fraternal Order of Police. 
in the Chicagoland region. They had a, I think, a fundraiser thing with um, DeSantis a week or two ago. He came to talk, and, and uh, Vallis is kind of keeping him at arm's length, but he also, the reason he's up in the polls is because he's completely consolidated the Republican vote in Chicago. Uh, he has, at in previous times, said he is a Republican. Um is he running? He's running in the Democrat Party right now. Well, I believe it's so. Chicago is, I believe, nonpartisan in the city. Uh, if you're running a, as a city official, it's a nonpartisan race. Okay, um, but he has indicated that that is his preference. Um, there's also uh, Democratic socialists running. Uh, Rosanna Rodriguez up for re-election. There's he's no, like he's like bisexual for the Republican Party. Uh, no, he's. He's not out. Okay. He's uh he's in the closet. Closeted Republican. Yeah. I mean, I he's see. been out. Okay. He's tiptoed out at various times. Lightfoot's trying to make an issue of it. There are a couple polls that have her uh, Jake's in second. Jake's cat is slamming <laughs> open and closed uh, uh, cabinets like a vengeful ghost in the background of this. Our listeners don't. This could be his Boston's boobs thing where it's just, <laughs> there's nothing actually happening. We're just talking about a cat that doesn't You got to see it and believe it. These are incredible cabinets. Schrodinger's cat right now is making a mess, or is it? Um, but uh, so there are a couple polls that have Lightfoot not even making the runoff. Instead, they have uh, Brandon Johnson, who is a uh, progressive Cook County commissioner, also a former Chicago public school teacher who is backed by the CTU. Uh, they have invested a lot of money in his race. And it's interesting because when this uh, thing first started heating up, Chewy Garcia, a congressman from Chicago, was seen as the progressive choice. And there were polls. I remember just a matter of months ago with him just owning everybody. He was way in front of Lightfoot, and it looked like, oh, wow, this is going to be a two-person race. Chewy, Laurie, and Chewy's going to blow it out of the water. He has taken a serious uh, back seat to Brandon Johnson. Who what the hell? Is, yeah, and some of that, I think, has to do with... Let's go, Brandon. Let's, hey, let's go, go, Brandon, Brandon Johnson. He's a, he's a good candidate and um, has a very different vision for uh, public safety than even Garcia, who he is, uh, Johnson has accused of just like copy and pasting Lightfoot's like crime platform, public, uh, just which is, you know, more money for cops. So this is a battle no, no royale style situation with all these beautiful mayors fighting yeah. to the death out there. Well, here's the thing. It could be the, the most depressing outcome and therefore the most likely will be Lightfoot and Vallis. The current mm. Austerian neoliberal mayor versus uh, reactionary Republican. who the CEO of schools. CEO of schools. And you know, she's so unpopular, I think he might actually have a chance in that. Um, but the best outcome is, I think, honestly, the second most likely, which is a Brandon Johnson, which would basically, it would be an all-out brawl politically, but an all-out brawl between the FOP, mm. Fraternal you know, Police Union, and the CTO, the, the teachers' union. Teachers versus cops. Oh, no. <laughs> Just in terms of violence, you know, I have a lot more faith in one of those communities than the other. Yeah. I mean, it could get ugly. Uh, it could actually get kind of, you know, because we haven't really... Wait till the cops have to deal with these mazes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should. If we're gonna fund, 
If we're going to give more money to the police, just give them more mazes. We should give them, them... get. What, what was the term? Uh, violence? The Interruption. Violence interruption violence for the cops. Yeah. We'll just refund that shit into keeping the cops off the streets and busy. Is right. there ever- And that's what Johnson's agenda is. He's actually... Uh, he is saying, let's reduce the police budget and reinvest it in other and and social services and create a safer city and that is actually pulling pretty well is there any initiative to replace jails with mazes in the classical sense in a labyrinth you mean with a what's that called the tortoise at the other end the minotaur? minotaur minotaur yeah, yeah. tortoise, <laughs> tortoise. <laughs> Tor- i meant to say tortoise which is also inaccurate yeah, Tor- yeah you yeah. say taurus yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Z- yeah okay minotaur though yeah minotaur. no 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 that's i like that like yeah. a softer carceral state all right state so i you- commit like aggravated assault they put me in a helicopter they drop me in a tall hedge maze like respect harry potter style in the middle yeah and then by the time i get out like I've just learned not to do that. I think. Well, yeah, you've also had to deal with the, 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 mind, li- the mind maddening riddles of the Minotaur, who's yeah. in the center of the maze. Yeah, and he he pops up and he makes my journey more difficult. Indeed. Yeah, I think you'd be reformed after that. I would be reformed. I mean, at least as much as going to jail. I mean, I don't mean to be doing carceral thinking though here. Right. Yeah. Well, but- the Minotaur. You know. <laughs> Have you ever asked why we're giving our children to the Minotaur? They are. <laughs> They are unfairly pigeonholed, pigeon mazed, if you will, as being like angry beasts. But some yeah. of them are actually out there to rehabilitate. They've they've gone to school to better themselves. They've learned about how to be uh, an instructor. Minotaurs, yeah, yeah. yeah some well, of them I mean, are into you know a lot of minotaurs teaching. get into minotaur work because you know they come from a community of people who are policed to think that it's way to better the community. But it's the job. Right. It's a systemic problem. You actually end up becoming the oppressive force of. The riddling minotaur with your staff. And Not your to mention, it's what's expected of you. Bull head. Yeah, you have a bull head and a bull's feet and a man's body, but a very large man's body. And you man's grow torso, up really. You grow up knowing other minotaurs like that, and that becomes who you try to be. And then time passes, and you're just looking at yourself in a mirror, being like, "I'm the minotaur now. I'm. This is my mirror in the maze." Yeah, blood in, blood out, yo. There is uh, one more candidate I want to highlight. Sure. With uh, uh, speaking of animals um <laughs> this guy has made uh, a lot of headwinds in chicago with a comment uh about animals um that was seen as a uh, little little on pc this i think his next step is rogan if he does well in the <laughs> in the runoff this will definitely work on rogan yeah okay they have a this uh businessman willie wilson that's his name, who tragically does did have a son who was killed by gang violence, but um, made uh, made a lot of headlines with this comment in the debate. We got it ready? Yep, here we go. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Fuck, let me turn this up. This is also what he sounds like, so this, this is what he I mean, said. Yeah, like. people, I, I've decided to not officially do an impression of him. <laughs> That's too bad. You wouldn't it was be really able to good. tell, though, because I've nailed the impression. <laughs> it was so, uncanny. Like, this is audio of him talking. Yeah. <laughs> it is not an impression that Anders is doing. <laughs> but if I were to have done an impression right there, you wouldn't have been able to tell because right. it's so good. I've a, lot of, a lot of the times, the only way to tell when the impression stops and the video begins is the drum machine in the background <laughs> of the footage. All right. Mobility restriction. Things from our police officer. Somebody run, chase somebody by foot or... Uh, car that police officer should be able to chase them down and hunt them down like a rat. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, first, it is disgusting. And that's that another, have, that's another uh, candidate who is uh, Jamal Green, who is kind of uh, statistically irrelevant, but is trying to, like, um, sap progressive votes from Johnson and Garcia, unfortunately. So uh, the, 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 I think the worst case scenario, again, is Lightfoot versus Fallis. And the way that happens, unfortunately, is uh, if the progressive vote is divided. And again, it looked like Chewy would be the guy. Johnson has overtaken him. So the question is, are Chicago progress? And we know most people don't vote based mm. on these abstract like categories. But um, are there enough people who are going to be able to shift from Garcia to Johnson and uh, bring this thing home? Because Chicago is a heavily Democratic city. They're not going to vote for a Republican unless it's a really, really weak opposition, which would be Lightfoot. Oh, do, do I need to play any more of this clip? No, that's was a, just yeah. the rabbit thing. Just, so, I just wanted to highlight the rabbit thing. Yeah, he's, he's he is not, at eleven percent in the polls. Yeah, which is only one percent behind Lori Lightfoot at the yeah. moment. So it's the year of the rabbit. You know that? It's the year of the really? water rabbit. Yeah, I, we did a whole segment on this on Balling Out Super because like, you got to fill time on a podcast. People don't know that. <laughs> People don't. <laughs> Sometimes know that. you got to look up what Chinese away. New Year it is and talk about that for like thirty minutes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's one of the more fortunate years. The water rabbit. Two good signs. I think we've been waiting for it. I'm a rabbit in Chinese Zodiac. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I was about to say in what way, but yeah. I'm a rabbit. I'm a, you know, I'm a rabbit. In ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite slippery. Be careful in Chicago. Uh-oh. Oh, your days might be numbered there. They're going to hunt you down. Yeah. Uh, we'll hunt you. Sassafras can't, can't, out of your ass. do an impression of it, but he's going to hunt you down like a rabbit. I'm going to hunt you down like a rabbit. Well, that's fucking terrifying that that's just like um, acceptable rhetoric in a, in a mayor's race now. And this yeah. is what our mayors have come to. <laughs> it makes sense, though. We always talk about this, like the mayor, mayor, the city politics is where like the police thing just gets thrown around in the most heinous ways or whatever. But just yelling like purge them <laughs> is like is so dark. Mount their tusk upon your wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem like uh, the, the the national moment we are in is uh, local politics is about saying the mean things you would do to criminals if you caught them, no matter where you are in America. Yeah. Well, I'm going to show them the worst boobs in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I tie them down no. and I show them all kinds of fucked up tits. <laughs> Um, rabbits are some of the most hunted animals I think it's a great analogy for that like a more than a boar or something yeah I I would say they are it's interestingly they're maybe the they are one of the few animals that's hunted probably the least by humans that's true Mm, I mean not not to say humans don't hunt rabbits we know that's true you've seen the Sopranos other animals I see what you're saying in this day and age sure um there is the fact about rabbits. If you were, if this man was running for mayor in London, perchance they fucking hate rabbits over there. Rabbits are like pigeons to them. They'll fucking grab a rabbit with their bare hands and bash it against a like stone wall. Do you know that in London they call the minotaur a minotaur? Is that for real? Yeah, I, was, I, I, was I, I think I used to pronounce it minotaur. I don't. I oh po- no, Anderson. I was doing a podcast with. Um, our pal Milo from Trash Future, and it came up, and I was one of those things. So I was, I was like, "Wait, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! What the fucking, you keep saying Minotaur. What kind of mazes were you doing in school? <laughs> you would not believe what they call aluminum, aluminum. aluminum. Yeah, yep. I believe it. They, they just add an extra eye there. Where you get the fuck off the table? Uh, you know what we need? Cat. 
mm-hmm. to beat this fucking dude in uh, Chicago is a Bugs Bunny, an unhuntable <laughs> rabbit. That, yeah, that yeah. is kind of the um, uh, 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 dialectic of the moment. He does kind of talk like the as Marxists, uh, the guy who hunts Bugs Bunny. What's his name? Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Okay. This is sense. really it's all coming together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Rabbit season. Rabbit season. Duck, duck season. season. Turn his fucking shotgun into a tied in a knot. Laura Lightfoot needs to run on duck season. Speaking of uh, the dialectics, um, did you see? Zizek's like anti-trans, anti-woke Zizek thing he released last week. I don't think I've seen a Zizek <laughs> thing since the Jordan Peterson debate a few years ago. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he does all kinds of stuff that sucks. Yeah, he's all over the place. <laughs> he's all over the goddamn place. I just, you just want to like it. I want him to be good because he's so fucking funny. His but... voice is crazy. <laughs> it's like Willie Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, he's the Willie Wilson of the left. He made this weird analogy about like, the woke is like, wait, they are trying to open our eyes. We, we are in the dream. And yet, sometimes when you are awake, it is then that you are truly dreaming. You uh, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it was about like about having a pussy or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he is, I've seen people post that he's kind of like controlled opposition for left intellectuals because he's like very actually cynical about communism or like uh, solutions for, you know, anti capitalism. And it's just kind of a negative Nancy all around. Yeah. So when he's at the, you know, the face of left intellectualism, it is just kind of like a group of people who don't have anything to believe in. Well, yeah, he can, he's uh, dense enough that he can kind of get away with, he can say like, well, that's not actually what I meant. I meant this other thing that you didn't understand, blah, blah, blah. Hard to pin down intentionally. I think like we are able to address this on our dumb people podcast. There is a strain of academia where it is just to the point where it's like, if you were just putting random words together, this would be the same thing to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) His thing was very much like, he has a style. So he's like an artist with making ideas like this, but it doesn't mean it's true. And what he did is he took wokeness and he decided that he wanted to deconstruct it to be fair because uh-huh. you have to be fair by if we're deconstructing everything. And he said he compared wokeness to its opposite, which is like um, this like reactionary populism that exists and stuff. And so he went through the metaphor of this story that Freud talked about where a guy is at his own son's funeral and then like he's dreaming. And then when he's dreaming, uh, something in real life lights on fire like there's like burning something as a vigil and then the burning goes into his brain and it his dream incorporates it so as to keep him dreaming because if you're dreaming and some you smell smoke your brain will go okay let's just make a story in the dream where there's smoke but then that persists long enough to wake you up, and somehow this is how why trans people shouldn't be able to. They should ride they a bus. Sh- they're, 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 the flame of their dream has kept them. See, and this is the point: is like, well, why even tell me this metaphor if this is what, what the conversation is? <laughs> why? What was the point of this? We should all just be doing mazes and crosswords until we uh, we're ready to have a real conversation. I agree. Yeah. Bring it well, back, back uh, down the peg. A good segue, I guess, into our other topic today, a sort of a academic debate, which um, induces a lot of eye-rolling, uh, perhaps. Not from me, but Not from, from Anders. Never. It's um, like the Chicago mayor's race to him. 
<laughs> it's thrilling stuff. I mean, it is. It's one of those things that I uh, I check in on every now and again, and then uh, I go away for a while, and nothing has changed, but everything has changed at the same time. Um, a b- bunch of people. It feels like often with this topic, people are kind of talking past each other or just like violently disagreeing about how much they agree. Uh, but it is, I think, a an important um, topic strategically for socialists to think about, and that is the concept of a little thing called class dealignment. Crazy little thing called class dealignment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, air horns play here. It's... Oh, wrong it, no, that's that's <laughs> apropos. Um, yes, so the the debate, as far as I can tell, is uh, are our classes de-aligned? Yeah, that's the question. What do you think? I mean, it it depends on how you define. This is everything. almost the uh, continuation of the uh, you know last one of these I checked in for the uh, 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 manager yeah, yeah professional managerial class debate where yep. it seems that we talk about it for six months and then it comes to the end we're just like I oh, don't know I guess it is kind of real and not and not real right yeah nobody's <laughs> totally right nobody's totally wrong everybody debating this is uh, has glasses What's as far as I can tell except I'm for fighting one guy. with a guy who works at a magazine now yeah I mean, yeah it's very it's. Kind of an inter-academic uh, media debate. What I'm not going to name names, but one of the people involved talks like this. Mm. I, I don't want to. They're all very intelligent, but I don't. I don't want to cast aspersions. But Ooh, wait, who are you doing? I'll I'll tell you after <laughs> the show. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it's Christopher Hitchens. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of rude to do an impression of him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But so basically. Class D-alignment, basically... Fine, Benet's souls. <laughs> God <Sorry>. damn it. <laughs> Observation that uh, working class voters are increasingly voting Republican and vice versa. Uh, well-to-do voters, broadly construed, are increasingly going over to the Democrats and the quote-unquote left, which uh, arguably is a subsection of the Democratic Coalition, whether or not it always votes Democrat or not as a block, uh, is of the professional managerial class. It's of the upper income strata. Um, there's a lot about this that is true. However, it's, uh, of course, more, more complicated than that, as we've discussed on the show, because this comes down to what the definition of class is. Um, That's also, I, I questioned the data to begin with. Like, how do you... How do you know someone's joined the left? Have they like they have socialist membership or they vote Democrat or like what is it seems like well, a lot of the data we're taking here is like we have election results for counties and yeah. this is a poor county and it's very Republican and this is a rich county and it's Democratic. That's a good well, point. I mean it's kind of what we have is base is election at least for like the the left as you said we have election how do how well do socialists do how, where do they do well where do they do poorly? Etc. Which we'll get into, but um, it is just true that a lot of places that used to be Democrat uh, rural areas and Carp uh, Matt Carp, who actually doesn't have glasses, um, writes about. No, he's this, a Chad. He's the Chad face. Who actually meme. doesn't have glasses. <laughs> but he uh, wrote a new left review piece where he compares, and um, I am. This was interesting to me as as a Minnesotan. So he, he uses the case study of Hibbing, Minnesota, hometown of Robert Zimmerman, who okay, came Bob Dylan. Uh, ah, 
He compares that with North Oaks, Minnesota, which is a su- wealthy suburb of the Twin Cities. I see how we're talking about this now. <laughs> it's yeah. got very Minnesota pills uh, really quickly. Okay. Okay. Minis- uh, Hibbing, Hibbing, it's Minnesota. Full of Kratom and just fucking <laughs> going off about Minnesota every week. <laughs> uh, well, there's this thing called the DFL in Minnesota. I don't know if I've told you guys about this. But We're going to do a podcast Democratic- about skeletons next week. You're going to balance shit out. I'm going to drop you in a maze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Hibbing... Minnesota used to be a DFL stronghold, Democratic Farmer Labor Party, right? Yeah. Um, Dad, I'd like to fuck. <laughs> Dad, I fucking like, I guess would <laughs> be the <laughs> what it would come out to. But uh, Hibbing and North Oaks used to be a Republican stronghold. And especially since the Trump era, they have completely flipped. So Hibbing is now Republican Trump territory and North Oaks is uh Hard, hard blue, we believe in science land. Yes. Um, and the, I mean, there's a lot here. So the the data shows that um, the 56% of voters without a college degree supported Trump, 44 supported Biden, uh, 60% of college graduates voted for Biden, even including a majority of white men with uh, degrees. Yes. Um, But the caveat here, of course, is education is not the same thing of class. Um, So this is true. Um, Aren't like overwhelmingly people go to college like richer people though? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, um, and this brings, there's a lot of different entry points to, to get into here, but this goes back to education in America, which uh, is a major source of debt. And, uh, you know, I think a big reason for the rise among millennial socialists is because of the expensive nature of American college, which we're all told, uh, for the most part, we need to pursue right. from a young age. Um, of a certain background, yes. Yeah, yeah they got really complicated mazes in there, and they'll make you very good at... <laughs> the advanced right. ones, so you could be an engineer and make your own mazes. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, All science is just like fallout. I do yeah. feel like we are going to be the last generation that is expected to go to school to get your art degree or whatever. Like, I don't think you can bamboozle this many people and keep getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Generationally, we seem pissed off. I yeah. don't know. Well, the thing is, so there's so many people who have debt but have because of the, their degree has enabled them to get like a decent job not me but other, other <laughs> I was people about to say in this room uh, okay. but th- there are other people even if you have like a uh, you know English degree you you're more likely to get hired at I don't know some startup or just an office job right and That's people true. have kind of accepted that they're just going to always have the debt and just not pay it because it's fake um, <laughs> but it's still you know a very inconvenient thing i mean the main thing college has going for it is that it's very fun uh it's pitched to you as a child like you get to go to sleepaway camp for four years and that essentially is what happens and then you just get an outrageous bill afterwards that sits on you for the rest of your life (laughs) you're like but i was so drunk for years (laughs) and that's something i think people take for granted is that like yeah socialists are primarily uh educated but but um that doesn't mean they're Rich, right? Just because mm. you have, and that's this is a point that Robert Brenner and Dylan Riley make. Class is not the same thing as 
educational status or even income. It is the relationship to the means of production, of course, which yeah. is Marxist we accept. Uh, however, Karp would argue that while that's true, that means if we're talking about working class, we're talking about basically everybody. So the scheme that 70 to 80% of people in America would be considered working class, including, as Carp notes, any salaried heart surgeon, tax attorney, or corporate vice president who happens to not report income from assets or self-employment. So Yeah, this is where I always get confused when people argue about like whether working class votes right or left or whatever, because if you really want to get down to brass tacks about it, the working class is the 99%, right? right? It's, right. It's such a huge concept that it's like silly to try to make arguments about, oh, they're voting for Trump or whatever. But then within the concept of the working class, and this is nothing new either, which is weird because it's, uh, people treat it like this nuance is somehow new and not like this uh, Marxist concept or whatever. There's different like segments of the working class, which is how we originally right. arrived at the revolutionary idea that like the specifically the proletariat is going to be someone who's put into a situation where all of these factors create revolution, right? And and not just whatever fucking uh, serfs or peasants or artisans. And we live in a world now where we're like they're kind of if you think about it, you smoke some weed, and you sit down, and you're like, yeah, I kind of am like a neo serf. I'm not really <laughs> yeah. like a precariat or whatever and like i always think about this because uh artists always just try to go like we're like laborers and stuff and we're working class and i always get fucking furious about it so i'm like okay but you're not proletarian that is a nuanced different difference within the working class right. you're laboring someone's exploiting you but you don't have to play the banjo dude yeah. like you know you don't there's not a a, a fucking need for DJs in a way that there is for, you know, mechanics or whatever. If anything, or if, you're, if you're a Jeffersonian uh, small artist, like, you know, we are, we have our podcast, we don't have any employees or whatever. We are technically owners of our business. So we are actually capitalists of well, this podcast. Kind of, yeah. If I you're mean, just going by production. But the, in the inherent absurdity of the analysis that we're doing, and we're going to, and I think this is why people get so stuck on it, is you're taking the data, which is of election results, and you're seeing by class how are people voting. But working class is the 99%. So uh, how are how is the working class voting? Uh, both sides. They're actually voting for all of it. They're doing the all of the voting. <laughs> They're yeah. doing yeah. all of the voting. <laughs> and so whatever uh, anal analysis you can take out of the equation only benefits you to find out how to do more voting later. And I don't think that's the original like uh, best use case for the term working class versus capitalist to begin with. Is It's, it's to propel revolution or whatever, or yeah. deconstruct society. Right. It's, it's hard to... Uh, yeah, computed into an electoral um, schematic versus yeah, like a a broader organizing one because it's it's yeah very fragmented. People do a lot of things, and they uh, it, it is interesting. And uh, Riley and Brenner use uh, census data. You might as well be taking results based on the best boobs of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the worst boobs of Boston are the vast majority of the input value. Yeah. Those are working class boobs. Those are working right. class boobs and they're working hard. Hey, hey, you're listening to a sexist Brooklyn all-male <laughs> podcast and those are working, working class, class boobs. boobs. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Nice. 
Uh, what if we what if we pitched away from like uh, Edge Lord Internet irony? We just embraced tradition and became a wooga soundboard guys. Wacky radio dudes. I'm uh, I'm fully prepared to do this at a moment's notice. Hey man, I'm a professional prank caller. I had to retire, but I might come back out of it. Dime Square is over. We're all moving to a story or a mass beth or some shit. <laughs> Staten so, Island Ferry is looking good today. I'm the sound guy. <laughs> I make the sounds. <laughs> so uh, the problem is in academia, not left academia, but academia broadly, especially political science, working class is defined by not having uh, education, which is we have established is a misleading way to characterize it. Um, and it's also... What if you received an education, but it was mazes and not yeah, good? Yeah, or for like from the streets. I mean, that's, that could be... Then that's the thing. It's like, what kind of education? Because it's like... So when you get down to it, like socialists, for instance, are uh, actually around the same level of education. People in like DSA are around the same education level as the rest of the population. It's actually not that big of a, a gap. Okay. Um, there are a lot of college graduates in just the working class in general. Uh, they, they lay out the census data. Uh, some college is 28.9%. That's the largest plurality. Uh, 20% has a bachelor's degree. Uh, and it goes lower from there, but um, a lot of people have college degrees. But what I, this data doesn't quite show is the nature of the things people study, right? If you get an HVAC degree, you're less likely to, bec- to become a Marxist than at least in this day and age, than uh, with you know a English philosophy degree, degree or something yeah. like that. Um, Depends how many books you're hanging out with. Books, yeah. But uh, we, I mean, we, it's a fucking it's a huge problem though. We need to radicalize HVAC guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's the thing. How do we bridge that gap? Which is, I think, the, the that's why this debate is important. Is uh, gleaning stuff that could help us um, strategically. Uh, Chris Maizano, I think, has maybe the best contribution to this. Um, he uh, is someone who also wrote a piece I like um, about a year ago on the liminal left, which another little Ooh. nice academic word there. The I had to look that up. Hanging out in like old laser tag arenas and shit. That's yeah. right. You know that account I'm talking about on Twitter? Liminal like, Spaces? Yeah. Oh. Or just vibes of like, oh, remember what malls used to look like? Yeah. Oh. Now there's skating parks. <laughs> Tony Hawk's in here <laughs> shredding it up. But uh, his point in that, which liminal, which I may or may not have had to Google a definition of, uh, just means like between two worlds or spaces yeah. or whatever. And his point is that, you know, there's all this stuff about how, you know, these Neiman Marxists are these like, rich kids who are uh, becoming radicalized and stuff. And he's like, uh, hey, I'm Italian, actually. And, uh, like, he's the son of an Italian immigrant. And I'm not from money. And I, you know, went to, I got a scholarship. And that's true of a lot of, like... Yo, real talk, as a maze person, that shit makes me furious. Yeah. As a person I, of the maze. Yeah. The right. Minotaur is my adopted father. This is the life I come from. I yeah. come from these mazes. It's right. not streets, mazes. One's in the maze, one in the 
Academy, podcast but it's studio, annoying. whatever it is. Because it's yeah. like, I understand why that's such an accurate, like, smear at a lot of people, but it's not, like, 100% fucking true. Right. And if you are demonstrably the opposite, people will just hit you with, well, you must be a fucking frat boy or whatever. And yeah. Like, I dropped out of college. I set those people's houses on fire when I was in college. I hate those people. Not from that class, not for any of this, but it's just, you know, it's a way of reducing shit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a way, and it's like how many houses did you set of, on fire? Mostly just threw beer cans and shit. Okay. It's true of you can do that with literally any ideology anybody has. It's like the there are people, many of the figureheads of every other ideology is uh, are people who come from means uh, liberals. You're going to say there aren't any wealthy trust fund liberals or libertarians or conservative. Like it's you, you go down the gamut, you can find whatever stereotype you're trying to pin down. Uh, you know, but he points out there are a lot of people, uh, especially millennials, who are uh, people who co- come from low-income backgrounds and um, and get radicalized. And a lot of that, as he does point out, and I think this is crucially important, is has to do with education. People get scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, he opens that piece with a, an anecdote about Roger Freeman, who was a Nixon advisor who also worked on Reagan's campaign for California governor. And uh, he said during that campaign, we are in danger of producing an educated proletariat. That's dynamite. We have to be selective about who we allow to go through higher education. If not, we will have a large number of highly trained and unemployed people. So, I mean, that's kind of another way of saying like, don't educate the masses because they could, that empowers them. Yes. Oh, man, that's fucking, that's so tight. <laughs> I do kind of resent being so empowered, though. <laughs> you know, it's kind of frustrating. Right. This is making me fucking really think about how much I like, my mind was on fire. Like, I was learning so much when I was in college, but I also mm. was, like, working yeah. during college, which not everyone does. Same, yeah. mm. And if I had just fucking had money and shit and gone to class, I'd be so much smarter right now. Yeah. You ever get like frustrated with how dumb you are? <laughs> it's never happened to me. <laughs> looking in the mirror, and just like, ah, yeah. why don't you work better? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I remember learning about like Palestine and shit in a class I was taking in high school and then dropping out, living through a drunken, smeary haze of stand up comedy and figuring out how to get my life back together for like six or seven years and then starting to get back into it and being like man if i just fucking if that had just worked back then yeah if that whole thing where that person was teaching me about you know history and shit had been able to happen i'd have been fucking smart as shit you sign up for a class in college called palestine it's more than just a town in ohio that's right <laughs> learn about uh and we're not, we're not even further waste coming. your time here nice <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. eerily prescient <laughs> it was named that back then yeah um, but the so the year after he says this, the year after this campaign, Reagan introduces tuition fees at Cal public schools, and that's really when the trend begins in like the seventies, eighties. Uh, when was he governor? Sixties maybe. But um, point being, especially in the neoliberal era, tuition fees went up, and public schools started charging tuition, um, and the gambit of a lot of elites and you you see similar things being said even more explicitly by like the trilateral commission in the seventies. But the gambit they make is that less people are going to pursue 
and education. And Maisano actually argues that they were wrong about that because enough people, as we were saying earlier, did still go to school because that felt like that's, you know, the best chance you have to be middle class is uh, by getting a college degree. They just choose chose to take on that debt, which is like fictional. Uh, yeah. And, you know. You're also a child and people are telling you to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're right. putting your finger in the dike and yeah. then saying, have fun. <laughs> but, uh, but it is also true. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people yeah. don't take on that debt because it's not worth it. And uh, those people aren't any are aren't any less intelligent. I mean, they're probably more intelligent for not doing that, but they are just not exposed to uh, radical ideas in the same way that somebody going to a college or like a... I had a friend when I was, like, it was time to go to college. We were all that age and senior year in high school and stuff who was, like, um, really looking into this and, like, really freaking out about it. And he just went, um, I don't think I'm going to do it. You know what I'm going to do? It's well, Every day while you guys go to class, I'm just going to read wikipedia and like <laughs> <laughs> did it work i don't know i lost track of him did but it like, work i'm so curious what if he's now like the richest person i know and now <laughs> he's lizzo probably not though he probably probably didn't work well it's, it's hard to keep yourself going back to wikipedia because <laughs> the thing you do it a little bit she's like oh i said i'd do i said i'd read the fucking argentino wikipedia page but no one's making me do this yeah, yeah. also like you always press random every day like how do you make a major you know <laughs> I think he thought he was, though, like, I'm just going to look at what classes exist and then just read. And, like, technically all that information is out there and free, right. but you can't. There is a there is a real contradiction here in that you got to pay all that stupid money to get the real infrastructure in place that teaches you the shit. It, it is the absurdity of the situation is because of the computer, you could just learn this shit on your own. <laughs> yeah. It's totally possible. It's just hard if it's not set up for you and you're, if you're not given the class. And that fucking that tiny nuance costs you an amount of money that will hobble you <laughs> and your children like, <laughs> it's insane and then on the other hand there's like people who are like i'm 17 years old and i know i want to be a doctor now and it's like this is crazy that's your whole life you know that now yeah i think usually it's uh, yeah that shit set up now I, and then like later it's like oh you were right to know that when <laughs> you were 17 you make a fuck ton of money now i think that's those people's parents usually yes and they're right to just be like this is the only way this works but like i have a friend fuck. um who i met when i was two years old he's a really dumb guy and he doesn't listen to the show and he won't know i said this but uh his dad <laughs> yeah. used to bully him all he's, the time somewhere he's listening to it like no this is from a very uh, strict italian family who is like you are gonna be a dentist one day because they make fucking bank <laughs> and we were like in 12 years old in middle school and i remember uh they would do the like what do you want to be when you grow up and then this guy who's like had never read a book in his life. Was like, I'm d dental school. I want to fix teeth. <laughs> two years old. Wow. Yeah, no, twelve years old. Yet. Oh, okay. Not two years. You mad at Come on, now. okay. Come on. Yeah. That's a big immigrant thing, though, because yeah. you're like seeing the system from the outside, and yet with this naivete of like it works. But yeah. like, there's there's nuance here. I mean, it, the only thing that makes any sense to do education wise in this country is something that's highly technical like that just for a fucking job the fact that there you could just are allowed to also choose english as a major or whatever <laughs> is mean and like misleading it's, mean. <laughs> it's misleading and weird it's just like you're just gonna ruin people's lives by making by equating that degree with something that's highly technicalized like that or whatever and like uh yeah the people that 
that look at it that way, I mean, it's like it's 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 smart, but it's also kind of sad. Like people that get um, pressured into taking that path by their parents have to watch everyone else like going and majoring in philosophy and having fun and going like, am I missing out on like life in a sense? Because college has this aesthetic, this veneer of like, come here and fill your brain with wisdom and like, you know, learn all the classics and stuff. And that's what it's for. But it's like, not anymore. You fuck yeah. yourself if you do that you're that with it. And also, you know, it, it, the narrative of it is the agency to choose your future, which you are giving up. You're having somebody else do that for you. But it is, it's also misleading because, and I think this is the generational thing, is that uh, our parents or grandparents could go to college and say, I will major in English and then just meet other rich people. And then that would lead you somewhere <laughs> in a way that, like, obviously structurally was not designed to work for everybody. And then we all did it at once yeah yeah um right and that's there are a lot of people in this in this boat and it's not just like a small milieu of like podcast listeners yeah only so many of us can meet the heir to the kellogg's fortune (laughs) have it pan out for us (laughs) you should do a hand turkey that is the kellogg's rooster that's a good tomorrow that will be my hand turkey i've made an only fans for hand turkeys you know what the kellogg guys anti-masturbation stuff Really? So this will kind of be subversive in that way, because I think people are jacking off to these hand turkeys. Yeah, well, hand turkeys, he would hate that. Yeah. Or maybe he would love it. I'm not really sure how that works. Right. Keep oh. yourself occupied with that instead of <laughs> handing off your It would titillate him. He yeah. was insane. He created all these weird, like, uh, penis torture devices to keep, like, young men from oh, touching themselves. <laughs> it's out of his fucking mind. So this yeah. was, like, a long time ago? Yeah, wow. this was back in like the 1800s or some shit. He made all these like weird turn of the century just contraptions. And it was like, it was one of those things where he was like, clearly, this is all sexual to him. But he yeah. was like, no, it's for the Lord. <laughs> for the good of the community, I've created the punishment condom. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's basically it. Like, you're not even exaggerating. It's an executioner's hood with little eye holes and you put it on your penis. <laughs> um, yeah, him and the graham cracker guy. I don't know if might be the same guy. Graham crackers were supposed to like lower your sex drive. That's why they. What? That's why they were invented. And they've only made mine high. Yeah, they don't work. <laughs> Damn. Nothing gets me sprung like a crack. <laughs> uh, he would hate that. Another point that uh, <laughs> I think we should cover is um, Mezano also points out that uh, look, okay, there's a, a shift happening. Right in the the broader electorate, um, but overall, Democrats are still winning with uh, low income households. Biden beat Trump by nine points among people who earn households that earn under fifty grand. Uh, he did win by thirteen percent among a hundred grand plus households, but that includes a lot of people who are earning fifty grand each, and you know are a combined couple. Um, and, you know, another thing he points out about this sort of class dealignment thesis is that it's true. Like industrial workers, unfortunately, have left the Democratic Party. Many of them are increasingly uh, going right. And a lot of that has to do with Trump in 2016 being the first major party nominee ever to run against NAFTA and make that a major issue. Um, but... If you look at that, that their place in the economy, this group, it's actually pretty small. Um, so he points out that you know, 
In the 1940s, manufacturing was like 40% of the economy, but it's only gone uh, down from there. It's in like the single digits now and like service, healthcare, all that stuff uh, is like that's today um, predominantly what the economy is. It's like an information economy. That being said, a code I would add to that is uh, Jake's point from earlier that people who work in manufacturing, construction, mining, logging, all that stuff, um, that they are, they are a smaller share of the population, pretty small now, but they are in a strategic position in a way that other industries are not. So they are, I th- in my opinion, crucial to a left-wing project. Um, sure. And it is a problem that they are becoming increasingly conservative. <sighs> um, a, it's sad what's happening to our working-class boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that goes back to, you know, like, wh- wh- what do we do about that, right? And if you're looking electorally, you can say, like, oh, well, that's not that big of a problem. And, and, you know, and he points out that, like, Lee County, Iowa, uh, Obama won them in, in 2008 with 60% of the vote. In 2020, Trump won by the same margin. That's a pretty uh, striking Reversal, but at the same time, the population there has declined significantly uh, for a long time. That's not to say we should ignore these places, but let's be aware of of how they fit. And I think it is like a good thing to remember just on kind of like a on a vibes level that like we are the working class just because somebody uh, has an education and like eats avocado toast and all that stuff doesn't mean they're not working class. It's a relationship to the to the means of production, um, you can eat avocado toast and be working class. Working right. class boobs point in both directions. Yeah, and we're also you know if we're thinking about this uh, electorally, uh, Maizano stresses this point that like a lot of people we dismiss as PMC are actually progressive on not only social issues but economic issues uh, as well. Um, that's all true, but as we're, we're just talking about like how you know we we can't be just that right it's it's we we don't have to be total pessimists and like we, and overstate how bad the situation that we're in politically is but we also can't be you know too pollyanna-ish and we have to uh how do how do we bring on people who are not um the same in the same like sort of cultural milieus who are also working class and uh i, w- I was thinking about this a lot today because um the answer, I think, to, to a lot of these problems posed is things that we are like the union power campaign that we're doing in New York City, uh, DSA, which is to try and tether uh, the socialist movement here to the labor movement. And that's, I think, a, a really another cr- crucial um, mission is making those two things the same because unions, as many problems as there are with them, that is the layer of the working class broadly construed in the U.S. that is the most organized and class conscious. And you need that for any kind of project to achieve the things we want to achieve, whether it's social democracy or, or communism. You, you have to go through organized labor. Um, you got to go through the union. Yeah. So how do you do that, right? Foreman. And there's a few different ways, uh, you know, showing up the strikes that are already happening, helping people get, jobs who are already radicalized and socialists help them getting jobs in strategic sectors, joining reform 
caucuses of already existing unions helping new workplaces organize, whether it's Starbucks, Amazon, um, but also district organizing, which is uh, something I was did a little bit uh, earlier today, uh, which is knocking on doors in districts where we already have socialist electeds and seeing what these people's needs are at their workplaces, what the issues going on in their workplaces. And what I found very anecdotally today was that when you knock on a lot of people's doors in like, you know, Williamsburg, I'll admit I walked the wrong way. So I, I think I was supposed to go to a lower income area and mm. I ended up going deeper into Williamsburg, which is like a good case Sorry study. Sorry to hear this. that. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing I found is people were actually very uh, supportive. They were like, um, "Oh, that's that's cool. I I love that. Ju- I love Julia Salazar. She's my state senator. She's DSA. I, I like her. Uh, do I have any problems at my workplace? Nah. I work I work from home. I'm a f- professional. And like, yes, I'm sure there's more to that story. I am a believer in organizing everywhere. That includes offices and startups and all that stuff." But the, my sense would be if you go the other way down uh, Lorimer Street, um, you would find kind of the opposite answer. People who are uh, politically disconnected, electorally kind of not as interested or invested, but have more immediate workplace concerns. And those are, the, I think, the people uh, we need to bring on. And there's sort of one last point on this. Uh, you know, a lot has been made about like DSA, for instance, winning in gentrified areas and that is uh true and people say like oh well you wouldn't have won without like these transplants and that's i think true in many cases i want but everyone to vote for us i don't ever understand this exactly arguments. yeah <laughs> but the thing is if it we would not be winning if it was only transplants so it's not like we're doing nothing right here like if you know, you know, like Bed-Stuy, for instance, as gentrified as it is, you can't win with only people who are just, who moved here from elsewhere because there's just, there's, number one, still not enough. Like there still are a lot of people who are like from there who live there. And also there were some of the most unreliable voters. Like if you talk to, you know, you knock on like a white hipster's door in Bushwick or Bed-Stuy, like half the time they're like, I'm, I'm registered in Ohio because, uh, you know, oh, the presidential yeah. elections, people aren't registered here. Um, it's just one of those arguments where it's like, well, what, what are you actually trying to say? What you're trying to say, you're just trying to like make people uh, say what you're saying. It's, you're talking about white people, right? right. White people bad or whatever. Uh, so they vote for, you know, socialists because they're comfortable Portlandia characters or whatever. Yeah, You're attempting to Bernie broify a local election. Yeah, it's just reductive right. bullshit like that. It doesn't actually have a point that makes any sense strategically or yeah, whether or I not mean, socialism is good. Like if middle class people like something, then it's not good. What the fuck are you talking about? You could have the, the, the common interest with right, people right. who are like annoying or whatever. Yeah. And we've seen, I mean, it, and it they're does, not class enemies as we've been talking about. We're right, on the fucking right. same side. Yeah. Um, th- there can be challenges though. There are some places where it's like, uh, I live in Hakeem Jeffries district. Um, there's no way, a socialist would, would beat him at this point. Um, hopefully that'll change in a few years. Uh, but there are people who are going to be hard to dislodge. But I also live in Jabari Brisport's district, who's from central Brooklyn and would not have won if it was just for Anders Lee's voting for him. You, you know, he, these, all of our candidates, DSA's candidates do win with a coalition of white burnout, hipster, douchebag, millennial podcast listener idiots 
and people of color who are working class and from these communities. Uh, but the question is, how do we increase and and mobilize that latter portion and uh, have them um, more involved in building socialism? And and there's no easy answers, but I. I think, you know, we are doing some things right, but we have to, I think, tether it to workplace organizing and tenant organizing. It can't just be electoral. I think that's how, you know, electoral organizing is typically how we have brought on the milieu that we already have and is most active in the socialist movement. But bringing on more people, I think, uh, um, calls for a a more multi-pronged strategy. All right. Well, if you are the most electorally conscious Nazi of all time, and you're trying to dox Anders Lee, he lives in both Hakeem oh Jeffries District and Jabari Brisport. <laughs> so get your maps out and figure that one out. Are we? Are we good? We're being. Kind I think of cooking, that's all I man. wanted to say. Yeah, you're cooking, uh, you're cooking. hard today yep. on that kratom. That kratom. Yep. <laughs> I just had a shot of matcha. So gave me that. Stop. He's cross faded. Fucking weird non-drug drugs. It's, I mean, he's on designer it gives, It's like what's? Well, it's amazing. It's like I don't have the jitters from coffee. I know I probably yeah. sound like I do. You have the intensity of a snake that's about to bite my head off. <laughs> I gotta stop drinking coffee too. So maybe I'm gonna be Actually, a kratom guy. I do so. have one. Or do we have time for one more really interesting. Make it quick. Okay. <laughs> we got shit to do. <laughs> and these people can't. I'll save. I'll save it for another. Okay, right, knowledge. Right, another time. Yeah, it's true. They gotta sit and uh, marinate on this, Anders. Get to let it let it marinate the kratom. Well, the mind kratom. Marinate the mind kratom. <laughs> All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, hey everyone, if you want to see me do stand up comedy uh, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, the 26th of February, I'll be at Union Pool on uh, Windbreaker, a great show run by Emily Panic and Claire O'Kane. Joe Firestone is going to be on the lineup. She's real cool. Uh, a bunch of other cool people. Uh, come on out. That should should be a banger here in Brooklyn. I think that rocks. Anders, would you like to do our plug since I stole it from you last time? Uh, yeah, this is actually a great segue. into This whole spiel has basically been an elaborate ploy to plug our show on Thursday, which is raising money for the Union Power Campaign, which is a crucial part of the socialist movement uh, at Silo in Bushwick. We are doing paid protest 7 p.m. March 2nd. We're going to have some heavy hitters. The very funny Freddie G, Blair Dawson, Claire O'Kane, again, repeat, uh, Mohammed El Sheikhi, Mohammed El Sheikhi, and uh, Kyle Harris are going to be all on that with myself, Alex Patak, and Kath Barbadoro. 7 p.m. Silo, $11, uh, $10 suggested donation. Paid it, protest. It's a vibe. You got to be there. Um, one final plug for my Kickstarter, which ends this Tuesday. As of midnight on Tuesday, you will no longer be able to kick in for this Kickstarter. We are around 80% of the way there for Theater of Delight Season 5. This is, again, your final chance to produce a show where uh, we do Gran Torino, but where he's racist to Pokemon, and I write like <laughs> 90 minutes of that, and it's like a full movie. That does mean that you're getting a Gran Torino parody song where he lists all the Pokemon like the Pokemon rap. So that is on the ballot. That's real. Please give your money to this important project, and I will give the link to Jake to put in the episode. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's it. It's finished. It is finished. finished.